The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Good afternoon, everybody. Eric France and Ajay Salveson. Thanks for tuning in, joining us here on another edition of the Full Court Press. How was your weekend, Ajay? It was good. Actually, so uh, I was in Burley Girl Day Saturday, but Sunday I uh, got invited by Carl Smith. Finally, he actually invited me over to his house and, and followed through is the more important thing. Uh, shared with me some Southern-type food. Oh, he's been talking up his his uh, his style of barbecue for yeah, a while, hasn't Yeah, he? and I mean, it was on a scale of 10, maybe well, the burritos were like a six and a f- half, six and a half. Now, <laughs> but he did cook uh, what collard greens, collard greens. But he put it's bacon a, and onions and a little spice to it. That southern was staple, yeah. On a scale of ten, that was eleven. Wow. And then we were gonna watch NASCAR because he wanted to show me what NASCAR was like. Well, NASCAR was really great because it got delayed for four hours, <laughs> so it was wonderful. So I got to sit there and for a delay for four hours and not see any NASCAR. So then we decided to play video games and we played in some NBA two K. I have a seven-point lead with like four minutes left, and then there's a bug in the game. A bug in the game, and I can't make a layup, and they won't call a foul for me. So then all of a sudden, he like scores like 10 unanswered and beats me. Mm, a bug in the game. There's a bug in the I'm serious. Like, Dwayne Wade goes up, and Kevin Garnett just smashes him. And I was like, what the fetch? And there's no foul. So there's a bug in the game. And then I'm like, all right, let's let this little boy play. This little boy's McCoy, cutest kid in the world. And... uh he gets in there, and I thought Carly knows was going to take it easy on him. Goes, like, straight out ham on the kid. Like, is, like, swatting his shots, is running pick and rolls, and this kid has no idea what's going on. Like, Carl's a nice guy, but he's also a huge bully. <laughs> and uh, he proved it. So. A huge bully or just really competitive? No, he's a bully. Like, when, oh. you're beating, when you're beating your, like, three-year-old kid in NBA 2K20 and smashing him purposely... You know, without like any mercy, unacceptable, unacceptable. Otherwise, his wife is an absolute sweetheart. His parents are adoring. Carl, though, is uh, yeah. There's a bug in the game, man. Mm, sure, I'll have to remember that. How I'll, was I'll the, use that excuse? At hey, some how point. was your uh, kid's birthday weekend? Did you guys get a chance to celebrate it all, or yeah, we still got together. Uh, we were going to do some things over at Bear Lake over the weekend as well. Um, some of the things that we had planned got a little bit kiboshed because of uh, it was very windy. Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah. But uh, it, we still had a good time. We were, we were able to make do, and we had a good time. Good for you, hey man. Uh, no. Kind of a weird weekend in sports. Um, Boy, it just is spilled I mean, over into today. Y- too. You're right. You're totally right. I mean, you got some a situation with college football. A good news on Utah State's college football front. Uh, because they're actually taking responsibility and control the situation appropriately, as was instructed. Um, but then, I mean, NBA, after taking like 20 steps forward, is now taking 18 steps back, it seems like. Uh, still still on schedule, if quote-unquote, but there is definitely uh, concern. And then MLB, just, you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen the next day, man. And I think that's the biggest where we have is baseball. It has fans. been such a roller coaster with them. Uh, just last week, we hear during the in the midst of the Major League Baseball draft, Rob Manfred coming out and saying, "I'm 100 percent confident we will have a, a, a season." 
And now he's making comments today. I'm not 100% sure we'll have a season. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, what? What happened in just a few short days? I didn't know those were his words. <laughs> hey, so when he said, hey, I'm 100% confident we're going to have a baseball season, did you jump both feet into the pole with him? Or no. were you like, mm-hmm. no, uh, for me, when I when I heard it and when I saw it, I, I felt like here is somebody just trying to project that, look, we're doing our diligence. We're trying to make it work. We will get there. You know, like, okay, I, I get that's your job to do that. Um, and, and But I'll be honest, there was some of it I was thinking, okay, maybe they're, because he was making it sound like, oh, look, we're moving more in the player's direction. And I thought, okay, maybe they're, They'll get this sorted out, and by next week we'll have an announcement and we'll have baseball again. Well, it never got there. In fact, it's gotten worse over the weekend. Uh, both sides are digging themselves into their bunkers uh, deeper. Uh, they're and frankly, it's it's embarrassing. It's really embarrassing. Well, and, and it is because we're in the middle of a pandemic, right? It's 2020. We're in the middle of this pandemic. Yeah, we have. Uh, social injustice. I mean, it's all this crap, and baseball is going to cancel the season because of the difference of fifteen to twenty-five, maybe thirty million dollars. Oh, excuse me, I baking powder. Sorry, let's step aside for you, baseball, to make sure you can't get your crap in a pile. It's so annoying, man. And you know what? I think we talked about it. Uh, yeah, the last week you and I did, and you brought up a great point that they were losing fans by the day, and now, Eric, they're losing fans by the hour, it seems like. When baseball comes back, excuse me, if baseball comes back, what fans are going to say, yeah, you know, let me turn off this college football game and let me watch the Orioles and the Royals. That sounds like a lot of fun. No. Yeah, it's again. It's the argument that we've been talking about. Here are billionaires arguing with millionaires, and it's like they—they're only the the perception is that these two groups, whichever side that you're on, it's just about money. It's not about the game. Yeah, it's not about the love of the game. It's not about playing it for the fans, playing it for their personal legacies. It's about Who's going to get paid? Or how much money am I going to have to pay? Here's something that, uh, and this is according to Jeff Passan, um, but he had told uh, Carl Ravish of ESPN, uh, who hosts the uh, baseball tonight, uh, quote, unequivocally, we're going to play Major League Baseball this year. When asked the likelihood, he said 100%. That was on Wednesday. Yeah. And then these so-called negotiations... Um, According to uh, according to another baseball writer, said they've been so slimy and so tone deaf and so greedy, lying, leaking, and overall out of touch. This is what a guy from the Athletics said. Uh, he said, "This is not even close to what you dream of as a kid." Sorry to everyone for this playing out through the media during the pandemic. It is brutal to all of us. End quote. Let me ask you: Do if they don't play a season this year? Do they play a season next year? Do they get this fixed by March of next year? I think that's a very valid question that I don't know that anybody has the answer to. That's because what I think concerns those, me a lot. I think you're right. Is I think that at some point they'll say, look, there's just too much time has passed. We can't have any semblance of a season. 
How do you? And go- so next year, all of these financial issues they're not going away because it, th- there's a real distrust and financial problems in Major League Baseball that existed before the pandemic. And then this is just throwing gasoline on the fire. Eric, how do we go from playing from a commissioner of his sport on Wednesday saying 100% we're going to play, and he was so adamant and so defiant about it that we were going to play baseball 100%. How do you go from that until Monday, like which is what, four days, and say, I'm not so confident we're going to be playing baseball. What happened in those four days that made him think otherwise? And he is the guy that can say unilaterally, we're starting. We are going to play. We are going to play. These are the games. It's going to happen. And you know who I feel bad for the most is the AAA players, the AA guys who would say, you know what? Put me in a uniform right now. Put me in a Cardinals, Angels, Royals, Red Sox, Yankees, whatever uniform. Let me come and play. I'll come play baseball. Don't worry about the money. Pay me what you need to pay me, and let's play. I have a replacements league? Yeah, but with these minor league guys who really want to be there. Why don't we let them play? Why are we laying them off? Hey, if these all-stars don't want to play, these million-dollar all-stars, pay these minor league guys $100,000 to come play 50 games in a season plus playoffs, and let's go. You're not going to get a jog down the first baseline. You're not going to get a half effort on a ground ball. You're going to get full effort from these kids because they're out to prove something. And that's so unfortunate that we aren't going to get that because of arguments over financial grievance. It's just amazing, man. Buster only reporting saying that uh, the recent string of negotiations just looks really bad for Major League Baseball. People are just angry within the game that this is not settled, that the two, you know, the leaderships on both sides are still in their bunkers. They're still entrenched. No one's really stepped out significantly the middle ground. Uh, and, you know, on the current trajectory, what a mess. Uh, you know, if, in fact, uh, Rob implements a short season, say 54 games, and it's on their terms, you do wonder how the players are going to participate. None of these issues are going to be resolved. It's just going to defer some of the larger labor uh, issues into the future, and it might guarantee that 2021 is even going to be uglier than what we have here in terms of these two sides working things out. Ajay, can you imagine two straight years of no baseball? What does that do for the future of baseball? Oh, no. Hold on. I mean, that look, the future of baseball is already in severe doubt. It's in darkness right now. Like I can't even see a future because if you don't have a season this year, because not because of pandemic or social injustice or anything, because you're not getting paid the extra $22 million or whatever it is, you are going to forfeit your season? Well, there's people out there who can't pay their rent because of a stimulus check didn't cover the whole thing. You yourself didn't get that $1.5 million bonus for incentives that you think you should be getting. No. like, like, like they, they have lost so many fans. They have lost so much respect. They have lost so much. It used to be America's game. Now it's money's game. It's 1994 all over again, and this is probably worse than that. Moneyball probably is the best description of how it's oh, yeah. turned out to be. Yep. Not yep. how it was originally intended, but uh, yeah, you think of some of the veteran players that if it no season this year, no season next year, some of these guys may not ever return to the game. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's a really unfortunate thing. That's a really 
unfortunate thing. Now, we said that uh, Rob Manfred, he does have the authority and the power to still institute the start of a regular season. So what if Major League Baseball forces the season to begin? This is, again, buster only. uh, And uh, this idea that Major League Baseball can still force a season to happen. Well, first off, uh, as I said, the long-term ramifications are absolute uh, entrenchment when it comes to the labor stuff. Because we may, unless there's a coronavirus vaccine, we may be right back in the same place next February as they try to work out terms for a 2021 season. You've got the CBA talks for uh, that uh, have to happen next year because the, agree- the current agreement expires in December 2021. And whatever the ramifications are, from any baseball this year will also uh, manifest because I got to tell you, you know, conversations with agents, with players, you know, they're mixed on what's going to happen if baseball implements. Because remember, uh, you know, just because they put a system in place, they still would have to work through some safety and, and health protocol. You, different players are going to handle that differently. There's an expectation that some players will opt out. Um, the players could certainly adopt the passive-aggressive approach of, well, you know what, uh, I don't know if I want to go along with these ex- exact uh, exact protocol. You might have players decide that, you know, that, that, that little injury that they worked through in the past, they wouldn't work through. You might have potential free agents who will essentially protect their own interest and, and walk away after a few days or a few games or you know, hide behind an injury, hide behind coronavirus concern, whatever it is. That's the thing. If there's no collaboration, there's no cooperation, there's no telling how ugly a short season would play out. And if they do have a season, a shortened season, a huge asterisk by whomever wins the game, who wins the World Series. Yeah. Um, but if it's shorter, couldn't it be even more interesting? Because everybody has a shot. When you look at a regular 162 games, when you get to middle of July, half of the teams are already out of it. When you get to the end of August, there's only a handful of teams that are even interesting to pay attention to anymore. <laughs> but in in this shortened season, even your traditionally bad teams could look like, eh, maybe we could make something interesting this year. Yeah, may, I mean, that's... Like, you're just looking for any kind of silver lining at this point, right? I mean, you're looking for anything that's going to make baseball interesting, and they better put some effort into it because right now, like I said, they are losing percentages and high percentages of fans because they don't want to play based on money things. If they can find some kind of interest, and they're going to find silver linings. Look, it's a shorter season. Uh, look, the Astros are still that team that everybody hates with the asterisk around them. Yeah, so on and so forth. I mean, they'll find anything to probably promote that. But when you're battling NBA, college football, and NFL, and by the way, NHL playoffs, you don't stand a shot in heck. There's absolutely no way, Eric, you're going to be able to compete with all that. Uh, you, you'll still have your diehard baseball fans. That that's sure. their first and perhaps only sport of choice. Yep. But for those uh, that are on the edges who... Maybe enjoy some afternoon baseball from time to time, but they also are interested in other sports, and that's the sport that they watch when there's nothing else going on. Well, now they're going to be competing, and so how well do they do they compete with some of those other sports when they're going into their into a playoff situation um, where it's 
It's a very it's more amped up than normal. So it, it's it's sad and it's embarrassing for Major League Baseball. Um, but I, I love to hear from you, the the listener or the baseball fan. In what's going on, is it lessened your your <clears throat> I guess fandom for better lack of a better term for for baseball or the team that you like to watch, uh, or does this not? matter to you that much. You'll still watch baseball when it comes back. 435-339-0321. 435-339-0321. All this negotiation back and forth, the the players versus the owners, and not being able to settle on anything, has, how has that affected how much of a fan you are of baseball? Hey, uh, speaking of baseball, did you, I mean, I know you're kind of a busy guy with a, you had a pretty busy weekend too. Did you get a chance to watch that documentary of uh, Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire, The Long Gone Summer? I didn't. So, I really wanted to. No, no, no. And, and, and I'm sure you'll get to it. When you get a chance, sit down and watch that. You being a diehard Cubs fan, as you are, a loyal, by the way, that let me, let me emphasize the loyal part, a loyal Cubs fan. Uh, would really, really enjoy the way they portrayed Sammy Sosa. Look, of course, Mark McGuire was the first one to get to the record um, and and did it in a pretty remarkable way. But the the love that they give Sammy Sosa, the, I mean, for giving the battle. In fact, you hear a couple of Cardinals fans say, you know, we just want to see him keep it close. And, and, and Cardinal writers actually said secretly, we were actually hoping Sammy would keep up with him because we enjoyed the back and forth. Um, and there were some interesting topics about it. Like, uh, you know, I guess when Roger Maris was uh, was about trying to break Babe Ruth's record, um, people were upset. Reporters oh, yeah, he were got livid. Like death threats. Yeah. There, I mean, because Babe Ruth was baseball. He was America's pastime. And then here comes this Lou Gehrig kid who didn't talk a lot, was pretty quiet, pretty shy, but was swinging it well. And uh, went over there, and as, as when he got to about fifty eight, there became a lot of, uh, I guess, uh, what would you call it, criticism mm-hmm. for doing. And, and it's crazy because if he did, they're saying, "Why are you trying to ruin a great record like Babe Ruth?" And then if he didn't play, hey, why aren't you playing? You have a chance to be able to be. <laughs> and so there was never a win win. And so for Maguire, there was a ton of attention on him to get there because at the first of the season, and I don't remember this, but at the first of the season it was Ken Griffey versus. Excuse me, Ken Griffey versus Mark McGuire, and then all of a sudden Griffey just tails off like goes like one for twenty in the next eight like yeah, nine really ten games. Steam. Here comes Sosa on the way, and uh, and everyone's like, oh hey Sosa, and I didn't yeah, know so also Sosa had a huge June and July that's exactly, and I didn't know also that this that Kerry Wood for you guys was a big up and comer like a phenom like Kerry Wood was expected to be that guy, um, which is cool. So I, I got to ask as a Cubs fan. Did you tune in every day, or were you like, hey, you know, it, it's cool, but our, our team sucks? <laughs> it was definitely exciting. I, I didn't tune in every day. It was hard because I was in college, uh, and some of the things I was involved with, you barely got a minute to watch any mm-hmm. TV for entertainment purposes. But uh, I, I, I do remember checking in as much as I could, and uh, just the, the buzz around campus, around, among my, my roommates, who none of them liked the Cubs or the mm. Cardinals, mm. but man, they were into it. Um, they wanted to find out what was going on. How was it happening? I had uh, one roommate that was a diehard Baltimore's fan, another roommate who was a diehard Yankees fan. They didn't care. They thought, oh man, did you hear? They went yard today. 
oh my gosh, they're playing tonight. We got to watch the game. Non-baseball fans. Yeah, Don't come and really. I had other base, other guys, other roommates who didn't care anything about sports, but we were all captivated. Really? Yeah, it was awesome. That's amazing. I, by the way, let me cl- uh, let me clear something here. Watching that documentary last night, Ken Griffey still has the freaking purest swing I've ever seen in baseball in my life. But Tony Gwynn was in, was a tough, tough nail to strike out, even get out. But Ken Griffey had the purest Pure swing, swing I have ever seen. Oh, man. And, I mean, the guy was training on Twitter last night, and he wasn't even featured. Like, he was barely featured in the documentary. But because of his swing, everyone was like, dude, the guy was amazing. So what what awesome things. Uh, Sammy Sosa, some comments from him about that uh, friendly race with McGuire. Mark McGuire with us, uh, such a tremendous power. One home run not going to be enough for him. You know, I know that at the end of the day, you know, he's going to come back again because that was one of the good things that I like it, that I was a race, but it's no jealousy. We never uh, say anything negative about each other. So I came on in second, but also, uh, you know, I mean, it worked fine for me. And that's what I loved about it, too. They were both so good-natured. Uh, the game where they played they each friends, other, huh? and they were they both hit home runs, and they were out cheering on each other, and it was like and you know what that is same awesome. division too, weren't they? Is that right? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, these teams that historically bitter rivals, but in that season it was just Didn't fun. Matter. It was this is baseball. This is exciting. This is unprecedented because you there's been some times where you've had a player here or there do some pretty amazing things, but to have two guys going at it at the same time. For a big major for, record. Yeah, big major record. Two big markets, two historic uh, Major League Baseball programs. And that put it was the, just so exciting. And that put the Dominican Republic on the map, didn't it? I mean, it really kind of, because isn't for that where Sosa from? Where's he from? Uh, yeah, I think he's, yeah. From Dominican. And so it kind of really like gave them that attention of like, hey, look at these kids of the Dominican Republic playing ball or whatever and copying Sammy's swing and his leap after he hits a home run that's gone. And another cool thing about it, and I love the sentimental side of it. Uh, it was uh, care is it Harry Carey was the broadcaster before. Yep, he had passed away just before that season or during the off season. So his son was starting to call the games. If that if that if, is that right on WGN? Yeah, all the and games WGN. Dude, his voice, Carey family's oh, great legacy. Boy, what a way to start your career calling the home run chase like that. That's just that's remarkable. I, I just remember watching. Um, we were watching in, in our uh, in our apartment. There was another show that was on, and I can't remember. I think it was Larry King for some reason. Um, I can't remember who he was interviewing. But um, all of a sudden, he, they broke programming. And they were talking, some, I think it was something political, because I had some political junkies as roommates. And all of a sudden, he breaks, and they cut away to some other feed. And they're talking about, yep, Sammy Sosa. Hit a home run. Now he's this many away from the record. Mark McGuire hit a home run earlier. In, you know he's this. It, it just it broke programming. It became across multiple platforms. It wasn't just sports. It really captured America's attention that summer. Uh, do those two deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? Yes or no? I think they do. I think they do too. Look, you and I think you've you've brought this up before, and I think you hit a head on the nail, Eric. They saved baseball because four years earlier, there was a strike and there was a ton of fans who were done with baseball, kind of like what we're seeing now. Mm-hmm. I mean, how ironic is that? And then this four years later, these two guys come in for a great home run chase and save baseball. Fan, like you said, 
you you saw friends of yours never watch baseball, could care less, but then hey, Mark McGuire throws us up to bat. We gotta see what happens. Oh hey, we missed the games today. Who hit what? And that's amazing. That's what they did for baseball. And I think that's that in itself tells you those two deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Look, whatever they put in their system is whatever they put. Judas, we're freaking what, 20-something years on? Like, let's move on. Please, can we? Let's, let, let's move on and thank them for doing what they did for baseball. Because now you look at it right now and, well, it's not much better. Uh, it was a, That was an amazing summer. I, I got to find a way to watch that documentary the 30 for 30 oh you'd love it all right uh, coming up next here on the full court press uh nba was making progress towards a, a, a resumption of their season but a call over the weekend has it put some some breaks on this is Kyrie irving undoing everything that's been worked on um is there growing concern among the players about uh re- resuming play for a variety of different reasons coronavirus civil unrest and uh, making providing opportunities to make a statement. We'll discuss the latest on that coming up next here on the Full Court Press. More. The Aggies are number one here. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Eric France and Ajay Salveson, thanks for tuning in and joining us on a Monday. Dude, I gotta I gotta get something off my chest. I'm so I'm playing NBA 2K today in my career, and I have by the end of the first half, 23 points. Get that grin off. You just why do you have this like making fun of me grin? Stop I'm it. Just seven I'm curious assists to where this is going. And six boards. And I'm like, oh, I gotta get to work. And uh I was supposed to be in Bear Lake this morning. So I was like, crap, I got to get to work. Well, I turned the PS4 off, and so I didn't save it. I was at halftime. It is going to be really hard to find that motivation to go back and play again after having that kind of a game and trying to reduplicate that. That was how my morning went. First world problems. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, baseball players can complain about 15 million. I can complain about a video game. Okay. <laughs> Not saving your progress. <laughs> hey, uh, speaking of basketball, NBA's having their own kind of problems, huh? Uh, they, they, you feel like you got things figured out. Your season's going to start on July 30th. We're ready and set to go. And then here comes Kyrie Irving. Uh, it's This guy. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. <laughs> I, I heard somebody describe him as a disruptor. And I think that's a perfect term. I mean, he... He was on a championship team in Cleveland and was a disruptor. Uh, he went to Boston and could have had a championship team in Boston, but was a disruptor. And uh, now he's in in Brooklyn. And uh, just a few weeks ago, he was on a call with other players and commissioner, um, and they were talking about playing in the bubble, how it would work, what would be expected or what the situation be like. And he's all for it, asking if he can get spa treatments or treatment on his shoulder and you know, just random kind of questions, not really too engaged, but a few things like, okay, sure, this sounds great. 
And now, all of a sudden, he's taking an about face, and he wants to blow the whole thing up. He claims that there are a growing number of players that are voicing their concerns, and he's happy to be the voice of what they're talking about. And I think I think probably part of the, the dialogue that I'm hearing today and the reactions from what happened on Friday is that the message may not be wrong. It's just who it's coming from yeah. that causes everybody there to... You go. to Really not take it that seriously, and is that is that fair? Uh, <laughs> is that fair, boy? That's a loaded question right there. Um, I don't know. Look, I get what Kyrie's trying to say, but I feel like he's going about it the wrong way. When you have Austin Rivers who comes out and he's like, "Look, you're not even close." Like this, like I, I get it. I'm all about this, but this is not not playing basketball is not the way to solve it. Did you see, by the way, what Ed Davis said? I heard he made some pretty strong comments. Ooh, uh, he says, quote, it's easy for Kyrie Irving, by the way, this is according to Alex Kennedy of NBA, uh, it's easy for Kyrie to say that he'll give everything back for social reform, but would he really give everything back? It's easy for Dwight Howard to say that we, we don't need to play when he's in Atlanta in his $20 million mansion, end quote. Uh, he also went on and said, uh, by the way, another quote here, sorry. There were 80 guys on the call, maybe 10 who spoke. Of the guys who spoke, it was probably 50-50. Only half said that we might need to take a stand and that playing may not be the best idea. I'm about 99.9% sure that we'll finish the season, end quote. So I think, uh, here's my first question. Is there, like, there's got to be more to it than just social injustice for Kyrie Irving? Because there's no way you want to... You want to suspend a basketball season after sitting out for as long as you have and to say, oh, maybe we shouldn't play. Do you think that there's something else there that we're not seeing? Uh, I don't know about that. I know this is a really hot topic and a really big issue, an important issue for a lot of players in the NBA. But not playing basketball doesn't solve that. Well, here's what I think is going on. I think there's a certain group that say we don't want to – shift the focus away from a very important discussion that's happening in America right now. If we start playing basketball, that may be a distraction from the real important dialogue that needs to be taking place in this reform. However, there's the other counter that that says playing basketball gives you more of an opportunity or an extension of an opportunity to still discuss this very important topic. And reach people because they're, believe me, I know there are large populations of people that are not watching these protests anymore. <laughs> they don't care about them anymore. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that's in, maybe it is a little insensitive. I don't know. But they're, they're like, we get the, your message. We understand it, but I don't need to see it every night. Um, but if they're going to, if they start watching basketball, they start watching sports. Look, these guys have an opportunity to get a microphone on their face before and after every game. You don't think that's going to provide a platform from these guys if they still feel this is important to discuss and participate in? And you can still do your message. Like You can still send your message. Maybe you wear your Black Lives Matter t-shirts as your warm-ups during games. Uh, if you choose to kneel during the national anthem, maybe you do that. Uh, maybe you can handle it during pre-game press or pre-game... Uh, what do they call them? Pre-game press conferences or pre-game interviews? Yep. Do it during then. Maybe handle it after a press conference or whatever. You can still get your message out.
but not playing basketball is going to kill kill your league. Uh, I think Charles Barkley nailed it um, with some of his comments. Uh, I think before I play the bite, if if you're an athlete and say you participate in a march in Atlanta, you might get some attention in Atlanta. Maybe a mention in a few other publications nationally, but mostly it's regionalized. If you play an NBA game and you say something before or after a game, that's covered nationally. So just keep that in mind. Uh, here, and here's Charles Barkley and some of his thoughts. He says they'd be stupid not to play. I think it would be stupid to not play for two reasons. Uh, number one, if they don't play, they're going to be out of sight, out of mind for the rest of the year. There won't be no cameras falling. And, you know, our, LeBron is probably the most famous athlete in the United States. He won't be visible anywhere. Uh, and, and so us out of sight, out of mind. Also, these guys got to realize this money going to come back and they're going to lose billions of dollars that the players could use to go into their own communities and do some great stuff. So it's not good on any front. I have no idea what Kyrie and Dwight are talking about, but it'll be a catastrophic mistake not to play. Couldn't agree with him more. <clears throat> Couldn't agree with him more. You have a chance to hold the, the candle light for the rest of the sports world um, because baseball can't get their crap figured out. NASCAR is there, but the interest in NASCAR isn't as high. It might be higher than it usually is, because there is nothing, but it's not as high. Well, and as we said earlier, NASCAR drivers are not known for speaking out on th- things yeah, like this. Yeah, they keep quiet, yep. It's a very, very much homogenous group. Um, NBA is definitely a lot more diverse. Uh, but w- one thing that Adrian Wojnarowski is pointing out is that these are discussions. There aren't. It's not infighting that's going on in the NBA. It's not like this is a big war that's being waged behind the scenes that's going to undo the possibility of a resumption of play and the eventual playoffs. There's 450 players approximately in the Players Association. They make, you know, listen, from you know a max player like Kyrie Irving, a player like Dwight Howard who's made, you know, uh, probably a couple hundred million dollars in his career, you know, to players who, you know, have not, uh, made that kind of money and and whose careers uh, are in different places. So there's lots of different points of view. There's lots of different agendas. And there's a lot of different conversations going on in the league. And, you know, certainly uh, social justice is one of them. It is at the core of it. Economics is at the core of this, too. You know, there's certainly a dramatic financial impact for the league to play again this season. It influences this year and next year. But I said a friend text me and uh, say he always says two words till lately. And I think he's meaning like the voices from NASCAR didn't come out until now, and then and they and actually rightfully timing mean, they Fair rightly point. timed it. Yeah, yeah, they've done a great job of timing it and being that 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 stool for the sports world. But I just wonder, would that be is that going to be a new trend? Oh, for NASCAR, or yeah. is that just in the moment? Is that just for show, it was the right thing to do. Yeah. Not just for show, but in the moment, it's the right thing to do. But then they'll kind of get back to talking about the race and their cars and yeah. their managers and yeah. the things that you normally see from NASCAR. Or will they will they continue to use this 
newfound platform. With the exception of Bubba Wallace, who has been all over about this, and who's, I mean, who has definitely used his platform uh, for the uh, Black uh, Black Lives Matter. I- interesting comments there um, in regards of the NBA. Um, just, man, we, we went from being for sure to we don't know. All because of one guy coming out and saying, hey, look, maybe we shouldn't be playing. And I know it's from the Brooklyn Nets, but you have Dwight Howard who's now coming out and saying, well, maybe we shouldn't play. Well, I think that there was there were concerns before. They were kind of bubbling up. Uh, I think that maybe an underlying part of this is guys thinking about, I'm going to be stuck in a hotel for three months. Do I want to be stuck in a hotel for three months with guys that, I can't get away from. Is that really that bad? Or like you're making money, you're a millionaire, man. All you got to do is play for what, like 53 days if you're getting to the playoffs? 53 days, and then you're going home. And I think it's less, what, it's what, 35 to 40 days? And then you have for a team, if they don't make it, then they're out. They're going home. What is the big deal? Go play. Go make some money. Play. Go home to your family. Go to the Bahamas. Do whatever the heck you want. And then we'll get ready for the next season. But my gosh, like, <laughs> stuck in your room in Walt Disney World. Whoa, my. Whoa, me. <laughs> Good heavens. Uh, Michelle Roberts, she is the, uh, uh, what's her official title? Anyway, she's with the Players Association. <laughs> she's uh, their official representative. Um, she, Adrian Wojnarowski reporting on her plan for the summer to decide not to go without punishment. And I think as for the, the social injustice um, platform that is available for players uh, in Orlando with the world watching games uh, on television, you know, one example she used with players was the 68 Olympics with Tommy Smith, John Carlos, that they competed, they won, and they used the platform, uh, you know, certainly for an iconic moment uh, and uh, a moment that has stood the test of time, and I think she's used that as an example with players that that perhaps that's a reason to look at playing and believing that you can use uh, the restart of the season to further this cause. It's a great example. If that's what's important to you, if that's something that you feel like is you're, if you're doing something that's going to distract from the message, there, we may not all agree on the method, or sometimes even the message. Sometimes, not just this incident, but others. But in how it's done, but there are platforms that athletes have taken that have been quite effective before, that have gotten attention. Uh, Colin Kaepernick certainly caught a lot of attention for what he did. Not a lot of people agreed with it, but he certainly got a lot of attention about an issue that was important to him. And you're right, if there are players who feel like they still want to be able to make a statement or still be involved in the dialogue, maybe not make some dramatic statement, but still be involved with the dialogue, what better way than to do it when the entire world is watching? Yeah, no, that's a great point. And uh, again, this is just a games aren't going to be shown in America. Yeah, yeah. These going to be shown. I mean, and the world will be watching. I can tell you that right now. They want to see NBA basketball, they want to see baseball. They'd love to see baseball. I'd love to see baseball. But and and if you do want to make that message, if you do want to continue to stand on that stool and, and and preach about what you believe in, 
You still can while playing in games. In fact, you have a bigger podium to do so. So do it. Don't let this kill what you guys have going. You guys right now are the ones that are holding like us to the candlestick uh, to be able to get back and get the sports back on track to get us a l- little bit back into normalcy. But if you don't play, Eric, and I think you brought this up, if you don't play, if they don't play, this is going to kill them for quite some time, no doubt. Yeah, we're seeing the, the problems with Major League Baseball. Yeah. It won't be any different for the NBA. And by the way, I just got a text from another friend. He said, um, I just want to read it just because it was so good. He said, June 15th, 2020, I quit baseball. And I asked him, I said, be honest, how bothered are you right now? Would you go back to watching if they come back? And he's a fan of a contending team. And he said, this season, I highly doubt it. That tells you right now where baseball fans' minds are set. <laughs> and rightfully so. I don't blame them in one bit at all. All right, uh, got to take another time out here on the Full Court Press. When we come back, some Utah State football news. We'll get to that after uh, an update of what's going on in the NFL. Interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric Franson, AJ Salveson. Thanks for tuning in, joining us wherever, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, or streaming online, 1069thefan.com. Have you seen this Mike Van Gundy thing with Oklahoma State? And like the players' response to it? I guess he wore a t shirt of a, a that had a, from a, a conservative news outlet, not Fox News, but some other network. I don't understand the whole story behind it, but. It's got some of their players upset, I guess. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, they're seniors. Eric, they're seniors. They're starting defensive players. There's a couple offensive starters. Chubba Hubbard is the mo- notable one. Yeah. I mean, and they are uh, and they said they're not going to play, that they're going to boycott the season unless Mike – it's not Mike Van Gundy. Sorry. It's, it's Mike Gundy. Unless he goes. That's not good. And, I, and according to what reports – uh, a statement from Oklahoma State uh, Athletic Director Mike Holder, quote, This afternoon has been very disturbing. The tweets from the current and former players are of grave concern, end quote. Hmm. But not the shirt? I guess, I don't know. <laughs> not good. Not great, Bob. Hey, uh, Utah State is doing things right. The Athletics Department, are you listening to Texas A&M and Houston? Uh... They are uh, getting back onto the field, doing it the right way uh, to begin a phased reopening of facilities, which starts today. Uh, It's a comprehensive plan to reopen its facilities for voluntary individual workouts, beginning with the football players. Um, And it's it's part of the NCAA Division I Council and the Mountain West to allow the resumption of in-person voluntary workouts at on-campus facilities. Doug Hoffman, the SID and uh, Head, uh, head honcho of the uh, media relations team uh, said that uh, that they've collaborated with the uh, athletics, have collaborated with the university, state and local health officials, and state leadership to develop a comprehensive plan that is designed to provide the highest levels of care for the health and safety of student athletes, staff, and the, uh, and the campus community. Um, and so they have this big plan. I don't want to read through all of it for you, but uh, 
individual workouts or uh, voluntary workouts, I should say, are uh, now going for football players. Student-athletes of other sports will be starting later in the summer. Good news, right? I think so. We'll take it. Yeah, I think so. You know, Every time a student-athlete steps on campus, their temperature will be checked. Um, and the, uh, you get a wristband for the day, basically. Uh, you you got to make appointments to use the weight room and the other facilities. Um, a lot of sanitization going on. Yeah, that, that, there's got to be so much. But locker rooms, not available. Oh, they're not? Okay, I didn't see that. Okay. Yes. Well, that's smart. <laughs> smart. Um, there's been a couple different, uh, like, uh, who was it? Uh, Texas? There's been a couple different teams. Houston. Excuse me, Houston. Well, Houston. they were in Texas. And Texas A&M. Uh, and there's been a number of schools where they've had several athletes test positive for coronavirus. Um, so the, the real question is, how does this, the university respond? How well do they isolate them? Does that halt everything else from moving forward? Uh, but also, and I, I put this out there over the weekend, and I said, the, well, this Houston thing, I said the outlook for a fall football season is looking more and more grim all the time. And I said that not because I didn't think that the, the, the positive cases were going to shut these uh, teams down totally, but I think that the outside social pressure associated with it may may cause more problems. What do you mean? Well, people will say, hey, look, you're putting them at, at risk. You're putting other athletes, other uh, employees, uh, the community. Are they, though? And uh, you you got to keep them separated. you got to shut it down. I, I, I mean, again, this is just the gospel according to, to AJ, but I, I don't see how that – I don't see how they are a negative, con- or I guess a negative, what you call influence based on their invo- or their voluntary workouts to the community. I just don't get that. I think if they take care of themselves, if the U- and Utah State Athletics and the University of Utah State, they're, they're, you know, Utah State University are very smart people. They have done their homework and they're doing this the right way. They're not just throwing people in like Houston and saying, hey, Go ahead, start working on. Don't, don't worry about getting tested. We'll do it later. They are doing it right. They're going through a fa- the the correct phase to make sure that the health and safety of these student athletes is the number one priority. And I and if they do that and they do their homework, which I know they're doing, what's the deal? I know there's a lot of other universities that are having their athletes sign waivers, so they can't hold the uh, the university accountable. But also part of the waivers is that, hey, we agree that we're not going to go out and be careless when we leave campus. Yeah. When yeah. we leave practice, we're we're making kind of a social contract with you that we will agree to you know, be smart, wear masks when in public, when we can't be physically distant. You know, we're, we're not going to put ourselves in the university at risk from when we leave the, the campus. By the way, did you, speaking of waivers, did you see what Ohio State did? Like they they had the so called waiver, but a lawyer like an athletic lawyer looked at it and he said that's that's not even close. I mean that's there's nothing legal about this. Um, and said so there's gonna have to be some explaining to do if anybody is hit with COVID and it's not gonna be really pretty. In a somewhat related matter, another other news 
coming out of Utah State University, talking about football. Uh, they announced today that the Aggies have a future game scheduled against uh, Mississippi State. Yeah, how about that? In 2024, uh, September 14th versus the Bulldogs in Starksville. That'll be great. I mean, how many times have they been to the SEC now and played that conference? And, uh, you know, I, we don't know what 2024 is going to look like, coaching staff, player-wise. We have no idea. But uh, it's always exciting with the SEC. And they've also moved the Iowa game, is that right, to September 2nd of 2023. Yeah, it's just a slight change. Yeah, not a huge change, just a slight change. But for those who want to go to Iowa and watch the uh, Aggies take on the Hawkeyes, that's uh, that'll be a fun game. I, I love the I love these kind of big time games. I just want to see us win a freaking one. I just come on, somebody, <laughs> man, give us one. Uh, one of these days. Hey, what's the most heartbreaking of those losses? You you've seen so many of these big time, big money games where Utah State's been that close. Which one bothers you the most still Probably today? the Auburn one. Yeah. Because they had it. Yeah. They had it. Yeah. I never sitting in just that the conference room watching it with you and just, oh, we looked at each other gosh. and we both looked like we were going to puke. Wisconsin still bothers me. Yeah. Wisconsin's no other one they should have had. And they let it slide because of uh, some bad special teams. Yeah, that was frustrating. A lot of close calls. USC, that's a good competitive game. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Eric, uh, before we go, uh, do you think there's any uh, big announcement from NBA or MLB that makes you think more positive or, or more negative by tomorrow? I think major, I think NBA is moving okay. I think they'll be all right. Major League Baseball, I have no idea. Yeah. I, I think it's not going to happen. Downhill from here. Yeah. Okay. We'll find out. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about it. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. You have to give ESPN credit for their timing on last night's Maguire Sosa documentary, Long Gone Summer. It detailed how the two sluggers helped save baseball after its labor problems of the 90s, and they were at the center of one of the biggest cheating scandals in sports history. Here we are, more labor pains, and we have a league-wide scandal that is still hanging around. Over the weekend, it was revealed a judge ordered a 2017 letter from Major League Baseball to the Yankees to be unsealed. The content is reportedly about sign-stealing. The Astros have been the face of sign-stealing, much like McGuire and Sosa were for the steroid era, at least at first. But there's something damning in that letter. Maybe the Yankees become the next chapter in this scandal, kind of like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens did. Maybe the letter isn't all that juicy and it will blow over. No matter what they did or did not do, it could be a huge story for the Yankees. Then once again, with all the labor problems and scandals, nothing new for baseball. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.